out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week is going to be the turn of the Iceman. Yes, the famous Iceman. That is Anthony Irvin, who I spoke to very recently to find out more about life, love, poetry, all that other groovy stuff. Anyway, this is the interview. And after quite a long chat to begin with, um, which gets edited out, but it's probably the best bit of the whole conversation. But anyway, it's a bit rambly. Um, we got down to that very exciting subject that was the early formative years. Just to fill you in a little bit about the Iceman, he um, started in the early 80s with his block of ice melting on stage. Also, he has a very good website because he's gone into other kind of creative endeavours, which is also painting. So if you go to his website, which is iceblocked.co.uk, just go for Anthony Irvin, Iceman. You will find it all there, just Google away. And also you've got this fantastic interview to hear more about his life. Anyway, Anthony, tell us all about your creative processes and the early years. Well, without being facetious, early on... As a young child, I was very aware of fridges yes, and refrigeration and also the whirring stop, start sound of um, old fashioned free- freezers. Yes, so they, they, they used to be interesting sort of um, public information films about the dangers of freezers and being locked in a freezer. As a small child, I remember yes. watching these and being terrified because you suddenly say funnily enough you it's interesting you mentioned that because i was actually locked in a freezer i worked as a milkman at one phrase for the oxford swindon co-op right and i went into the freezer to put the milk that hadn't been sold or maybe it was the other way around to take the milk out in the morning and one of my fellow workers who happened to be called spud uh shut the door he thought it was funny Yes. So I, I I experienced the first stages of frostbite. Yeah. <laughs> but he and did that... let me out. <laughs> I bet they, they didn't even have one of those kind of risk assessment sort of accident no. books, did they? To no emergency button. There was that was yes, that was before political fact, correctness went dark, yeah. Yes. So I, were you were I also you... met a, a man at Hyde Park Corner. Sorry, these aren't very cultural influences. No, that's but, good. Um I was inspired by someone who spoke out of the blue at Hyde Park Corner. I think he was talking about aliens or something like that, but he, he just struck me. So it, it's like you sometimes have influences that you never actually know, and you get, don't get to know them and you can't quite label them. I, yes. I just became yes. interested in performance art. I don't know quite how. I remember a guy brushing a lot in Serpentine Gallery. That struck me. Yes. I've got quirky little influences, really. So during the 60s, did you come across people like, I don't know, in this area, we had a guy called Bruce Lacey, who used to... Ah, uh, yes. Yes, the, I did come across him. The Bruce Lacey. I do remember him, yeah. So he loved his... remember me, but... he loved his performance art. And he yep. and, and during the 70s, he used to go to a lot of the East Anglian fairs, like Barsham and Albion fairs. And it would often, you know, the thing was, you had to see Bruce naked as a as a sort of... Yeah, conversation piece for some reason. It was always about a fertility kind of ritual that he would yes. have. And he mixed lots of kind of random, you know, I suppose yes. you call it cultural appropriation now, but we just thought, yeah. well, look, Bruce is naked uh, again. Of course, Yoko and, and, and Brovamich, is that how you say it? 
are quite into nudity, aren't they? Yes, that's that is really yes. I've never really done that myself. No, I'm 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 sort of quite modest myself. So um, <laughs> so so during the sixties, then did you have a kind of exciting time of like seeing the growth of that alternative? culture happening you know from people like Richard Hamilton's pop art Andy Warhol to the you know the happenings of the sort of that that period to the 14-hour Technicolor dream at high at the Alley Pally did did things like that sort of kind of interest you? I think I I became more aware of them later because in the 60s I was in a an open prison in Hertfordshire when I say that it was an educational institution but it felt like an open prison. Okay, yes, because I was thinking, okay, that's um, that's um. I think it's called a boarding school. Right. So you had that kind of lifestyle. So I had no influences at all, apart from suppression. Yes, and and fear probably. They <laughs> <laughs> did give me resilience. I slight resilience. I know, but it's. But, it's... So I think I became more involved in performance in the seventies, really. Yes. Absolutely. And what was your family like? What were your parents like? They were rather orthodox and gave me great security. In fact, mm. I felt too secure, which is why I tried to create insecurity. Yes. And obviously going, to, board, um, going to boarding school, they had, did they have dreams of some exciting pathway to, to um, I don't know, the civil service? Prime Ministership. Yeah, basically, that was it, really. Yes, I think that was the idea. They had dreams, didn't they, really? Where, where, and, and where were you growing up at this stage? Where, where was the family home? Chelsea. Right. But it was a little bit bohemian in those days, not quite so commercial. Yes. Very nice. I guess you... Although would... I do remember the, the, the fashion parade down the King's Road. Yeah. Did you, are you aware of that? There was, used to be a sort of regular Saturday fashion in the six, uh, 60s yes I guess you would have had some of the kind of interesting kind of political did you have Christine Keeler and and the kind of Robert Fraser's sort of I didn't have her myself no probably not <laughs> <laughs> but did you were you aware of that kind of groovy scene like Robert Fraser the great... yes but I, I think I was still quite young in the 60s so I, I, I don't think I was quite and being a slow developer, I don't think I was really out there very much. So I, I can't really say I experienced the 60s. No. Apart from as an observer. Yes, that's fair from enough. From the open prison. From the open prison of your boarding school years. Did you go for rugby, cricket, or was it just like, Christ, let me just avoid the all of it? I boxed for my school. Oh, that's that's quite useful. Which explains a lot, I think. Yes. Yes, I won three out of my four fights. Apart from the, although I, I ran I, of my external fights, but I, I I won quite a few internal fights. Yes, I have quite long reach. I think Muhammad so Ali had the same. Yes, people at a distance. Yeah, and did you ever see the film The Rumble in the Jungle with Muhammad Ali and was it Joe Fraser when they had that fight in uh, Zaire, which was quite a, it, it oh. was. A, it was quite quite an amazing film. The one that went on and on and on. Well, it was a long, long fight, but they also got there and then it had to be sort of postponed. Oh, yes. yes. They had to stay there for, you know, a lot longer than they expected. And uh, yes. then, then they had, you know, B.B. King and James Brown appear in 
to try and entertain the crowd while this kind of quite amazing sort of dictator mad ruler sort of was killing lots of people whoever sort of can can yes and, it, and it, insisting the fight went ahead although none of them really wanted to do it yes you know? but yeah the money was handy so then as the seven did you leave school at 16 or 18 at this stage i left school at 18 right and did you was it university or it it was a transition period where i did a number of um manual jobs in fact it was for a company called manpower oh nice right you used to go to different sort of warehouses and do jobs in fact there's not many jobs i haven't done really yeah try and naming one and see if i've done it you'll probably catch me out first time posty yes i have delivered some postal and i felt feel very guilty in retrospect because it was a postal unions post workers strike and i was very naive and i didn't realize i was um what's called black um you were scared black no did you anyway, I, was, the... I was betraying the postal union yes you just and went for it i feel very guilty in retrospect yes is ignorance enough i don't know um i don't know it's it's a good it's good enough you know if you're in the high court you can just you can get away with most things can't you then did you as the 70s progressed were you kind of a little bit kind of curious with the any of the i don't know the music culture the film the sort of the theater of the time or were you just st- stuck in either a fridge or in the manual work of warehouse i was in a jazz rock band whose name i can't even remember but i remember I was quite good on the saxophone when I, if I did a solo, but I had no discipline. So I, I never knew when to come in and that sort of thing. So they sacked me, I'm afraid. I, I don't think I really was much of a musician. Yeah, that must have sounded quite jazz though, being quite random. I would have thought you'd have got away with yes. it. Yes, they blew a whistle for me so I knew when to come in. <laughs> and even that didn't work. Even, so, even, so even. I, I played with the idea of being an actor. Nice. And then I found that very limiting, partly because of my own lack of talent. Yes. And that's when I got gradually drawn into more arty performance art stuff, because I, I like the, the element of performance. I like the interaction. Yes. And, and so it was a sort of gradual process. And funnily enough, I'd done quite normal mainstream entertainment, like I worked with a boxing kangaroo, a live one, in a Italian circle, circus called Chocomoro Afe. And I did a visual comedy act, which was big in East Germany before the wall came down. Right. But none of them were quite satisfied. So to be honest, ICE came later as a reaction to all mainstream performance. Yes. So when did you have... Actually, it wasn't reaction. It was more a case of sharing my own pain in public. So it sort of started as therapy, maybe. But then I gradually realised that it was communicating to people and I realised it was becoming art. Yeah, And that's when I felt rather pleased. When did you have the kind of the, the light bulb moment with the, with the ice? I think it was about 84, 85 when I went and did my first block at a club called Crazy Larry's in Chelsea. And I remember Rory Bremner was on the bill 
you know, the impersonator. Yes. And I came on and did my first block. I had a big kitchen sink. And at that stage, it was all visual. I, I, I just sort of desperately tried to get hold of the block and slithered and slide, slid around, slid around. And I think people felt sorry for me, but were also quite amused. And that was the first sort of experience of the, a block. Block. How did you? How did you first make your block of ice? Did you? Um, oh, did you just put it in a bucket and then put it, or put it in a? Yes, I, I think the idea of a block came from when I was a young child. I remember being very unhappy at one point, and I thought, if I build a little arch and crawl through it, I will become happy. Mm. So I built an arch of sort of block, hard cushions, and sort of like blocks, but not ice. Yeah. And it, I went through the, the, the arch and I did feel very happy. So I think that gave me the idea of blocks can be blissful. Yes. Hence later on in life, the ice. I, I think the idea of ice was really appealed to me because it's such a rich symbol. A metaphor, if you like, you can go on forever saying what it represents. And yeah. so I, I think I, I just like the idea of ice and blocks as a way of dealing with my personal situation. Yeah. Did you, um, I mean, on that kind of front of performing, was it a little bit like your, you know, like David Bowie doing Ziggy Stardust, you know, going from being Davy Jones, playing in sort of various kind of R&B bands to sort of becoming this character? Did it... Was it a little bit like that with your block of ice and or going through your kind of mythical um, arch? I I think with me, I I think it, it was rather different from David Bowie. I think I got christened the Iceman straight away and I stuck with the ice for the rest of my li- life and continue to do so, as you can see with this block. I can, yes. This and, is... and so I really am a one idea artist <laughs> <laughs> i know Stuart lee sort of was talking about the kind of, you know the history of comedy and i think the musical period musical period was that people could just you know like he said there was one particular comedian who just jumped a bit just that was his act just jumping and i think in those days you could get you know you could go a long way with just one rather interesting idea i mean just going back slightly to that that sort of 1979 early 80s when there was that that wave of like the comic strip and the young ones and and sort of Alexis Sell and Rick Mayle. Did did any of that sort of start to creep into your DNA? You know, those sort of a slightly I mean yes, I, I, I mean I I think I I did a piece called Crane where I had a ladder and a very heavy crane chain and a hook. And I lifted up a bag which had a toothbrush and toothpaste in it. And I cleaned my teeth. <laughs> so that was a sort of pre, pre-run to um, the, the, the ice, really. But I remember Rick Mayo was on the bill. This was a comedy show, I think. Rick Mayo and people like that poet, John Higley. Oh, yes. Bailey, quite a few people. And, of course, Rick Mayo and co. and Ben Elton became very sort of famous Mm. So it was quite interesting. And I, I did try a few sort of verbal things, including uh, uh, poems and stuff. 
but it all seemed slightly lacking my own work. And it, I think it was all leading to that, that sort of sense of blocks. Yes. I mean, what does, I mean, when, when just to, to sort of get a flavor, I mean, you go, you have your time slot, you, you go on stage, you've got your block of ice. How did you develop the act and how did you start to sort of um, interact with the audience? The interactions with the audience took place in different ways. I mean, sometimes I took a, a quick photograph of the ice and did a fax copy on an old fashioned fax machine. And I would go into the audience and try and sign it, by the way. And then I would try I'd go into the audience and try and sell it with differing degrees of success. <laughs> yes. But what, what I found interesting is because of its sort of upfront nature and the fact that the ice block is quite uncontrollable sometimes, I mean, I purposely had a very rickety structure. So the, the block would often end up <laughs> in the, amongst the audience or bits of it. So I, I did like the interactive element. So in a way, it was very messy, which made me quite unpopular with some fellow so-called comedians. But after a bit, I must confess, I realized that in order to get bookings, because I was trying to make a living in a sense from the blocks, yes, I, I had to compromise a bit. So I decided to start verbalizing and I, I told jokes, very, very bad jokes. And that was a way of trying to, to, to fill the slot, if you see what I mean, other than just a visual experience of the block of ice. Yes. But, but it was an excuse, really, to share the block. I mean, you know, people used to say, you, sh you should go into an art gallery. And then the artists would say, you should go into comedy. So I, I was never really very clear where I stood. Yes. And how did your, and how did your little, uh, the act sort of progress? What was the narrative? You're on stage, working this ice. Just how long do you kind of expect to be on stage? And, and how do you sort of go, da, 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 the end? Well, I've, I've, I've sometimes done a sort of like 24-hour melt, but when I was in a, in a comedy club or something like that, I would have a, it would build. So I would start with breath and get, I'd have a duck, a plastic duck, which you perhaps can see. Oh yes, the duck. <laughs> it's from a hotel in Southampton. I did write to them and ask them if they wanted it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I'd, I'd put the ice block on a structure, which often fell straight away. So people realized it was all about failure. Yes. And then I the, basically become, somebody actually said it was rather well structured. It, it, it was basically, I started breath, you know, with audience participation, then friction, flame, money, and it would build. And then I'd sort of end up with a hammer and chisel. Um, have a gun. Oh, blimey, that's very exciting. There you going? I think you're blowing your mic. Oh. Goodbye. 
Goodbye. That was <laughs> slightly worried there, but uh, thank God that was just, uh, that was like, yeah, God. The neighbours are knocking on the door. Yes, I know, the, gu the guns. <laughs> so health and safety. That was... oh, sorry, yeah, yes, yeah, so there was no health and safety. No. What was, what, did you used to have to do all this on a tarpaulin, by the way? I did used to try and put a tarpaulin down, but it never actually collected the water. No, I could imagine it just ran off onto the and electrical There's a lot of electrical circuit. equipment around, and I was spraying the ice spray, so it's quite remarkable that I didn't kill anyone, really, at least of all myself. Yeah, I know, that was, um, yes, would be quite... I could imagine with wires under the stage. It could have been some quite interesting moments. A little... I did end up with a, I don't know if you can see that, explosive device. Yes. Ah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, so, so the finale, really, was the explosion, which, again, was very dangerous, really. In retrospect, you know, in these little clubs. So <laughs> I was quite irresponsible. And I'm just taking a Polaroid. I might, I'll send you a copy. Oh, well that, oh my God, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I never, I never received a Polaroid in the post before. Yeah. I never I'm even not sure it. I can give you the original. No, no, because that's, that could be worth. But I, so I, I did document my work quite carefully. Yes. I mean, it's a whole concept, I suppose, of, um, change really and time and etc but for me i suppose my main idea is the idea of the blocks live on even though they're ephemeral and they're going to melt anyway so i'm redundant yes i like the idea of them living on in different formats which is why i now paint them yeah because i know there was some very there was a particular scottish artist who used to sort of make various structures and bits out of nature, which obviously in lots of leaves and lots of twigs, and there was obviously not going to be any record left, so he just photographed it, and um, people loved it. That was very 80s and early 90s, but I'll have to remember, I can't remember his name now. But then as the, as the decade progressed, did your, I mean, oh yeah, just briefly, how, so was this like half an hour, or was it kind of like an, an hour on stage? Well, it varied, but the, the regular spot was probably more like 20 minutes. Right. Which, which was pretty um, chaotic, really. And I used to upstage the following comedians by clearing up. <laughs> but basically, I dominated the whole evening. Incidentally, there, there's a Polaroids from the past. Oh, wow. I've got quite a few. Do you, do you actually catalogue them as in what date you took the photographs? I used to be meticulous. Yes, because um, it would be quite confusing I mean, when you look here, back. And... Here's, here's one, for example. Yeah, oh, yeah, hold it. Yep, got you. Is that the right way up? That is. And it says it's block 241, 2nd of June, 1994. Oh, wow. So I did a bit, I got a bit bored. At one stage, I, I was very meticulous, and I did document them. But then I thought this is too time consuming. And now I, 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 I just let them all merge, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So yeah. as, as the decade progressed, how did you find you were going down 
kind of on the live circuit did did the audience change much because i've noticed with you know any any sort of art work and especially in the world of musicians there's there's often another generation comes through and that generation that possibly liked something have suddenly moved on a bit because you know age responsibility other commitments did you find as the decade progressed anything kind of particularly changed with you and your sort of setup yes i think <laughs> I think I became a bit of a dinosaur. I, I noticed it was it was more difficult to get bookings, <laughs> and so um, yes, there was definitely a change. And there were a lot of rather slick comedians who were rather smart. So I think I come. I, I mean, I was most active at a particular phase when it was more performance art. I mean, for example, there was a club in the East End run by Jock Mukfovich, or what he's called called Open Heart Cabaret. And, and there was, you know, all sort of people like Ian Hinchcliffe, real, slightly edgy, edgy performance artists, including myself, I think. Yeah. So I think clubs like that probably run into the ground. Very quickly. Yeah, I guess so. So I, I, I took a different direction at that point. What I also that? had to earn some money for various reasons. Well, yes, this is this is what happens when when we all get to that moment where um, we're suddenly responsible for the bills and, and but, other but I've never abandoned the blocks altogether. And uh, as you know, I think I now paint blocks of ice with a human figure, which is sort of myself. Quite prolifically. Yeah, so the, the uh, under the title of aim, that's my painting name, AIM. And um, I'm actually selling a few, usually to people who feel sorry for me. I sold one the other day at Bridport, of all places, to Mark Thomas. I the, you know, yes. Political comedian. Political comedian. Political. And he, his partner, I think, kindly bought this painting, a mem series, for him. So, so I tend to sell paintings to people I know. Would you like one? I don't know you yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought my prices are quite modest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a few attachments. No oh, pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Along and, with the Polaroid. And the Polaroid with, um, yes. And uh, I'll just give you my bank details. So then, I mean, so how did you then start to diversify as the sort of the 80s came to a close and we entered into the the 90s was there a what did was this the painting period or did you have to get another side hustle for this i i can't say really diversified i did something completely different which i can't talk about because being a cult figure it might reduce my mystery oh yeah i know this would be terrible wasn't it yeah no yes. you can't. so yes but i i've never gone completely blockless and um, a few years ago, I, oh yes, well, not so long ago, I did one for Stuart Lee. He did a thing called the Austerity Show, I think. Salute to the 80s. Did you hear about that? No. Festival Hall. No. And I had a lot of, a friend of mine took a lot of photos of that block. So that gave me a starting point for painting. Whereas now I paint more from imagination. Yeah. Incidentally, one of those blocks ended up in the River Thames. God, it's kind of the circle of life, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm too. hoping to meet them again sometime. 
Well, yeah, but on a warmer day, I wouldn't do it in winter. <laughs> It'd be too much. So then, when when did you sort of discover the the canvas? Did this was this the kind of late eighties, or was this a little bit later on? Much later. Right. About two thousand and fifteen, I think. Oh wow, that was much later. My God, that's yep. that, you really do jump. So during that next period, then was was it sort of the the kind of the performance art? Just sorry, got, which period? The next the, period. From, from the sort of <laughs> the lost period. No, the, the 90s on to 2015. Was this a period where the, the ice and your performance just kind of rather went into hibernation or did you just occasionally sneak out? I think from about 2000 onwards, blocks became occasional. Right. Did it feel but, quite? Did it feel quite strange to find yourself back in the game? Do you, you know, when you went back into the freezer with your right, this is it. That we're going to go back on the road. I think it, it felt very familiar. But I, I, to be honest, I rather like painting now because it's much more solitary. And I, I discover that <laughs> it suits me better. Right, because but I sell them interactively, so I still keep that that idea of interaction. I mean, the only paintings I've sold are always, you know, with people on a human level. Yeah. So you, but I'm you... quite grateful to the blocks because I, I discover I'm a rather fine, fine artist. Yes, absolutely. They and call that... me art brute style, but I call it art block. Art block, nice. That is, that, is, that is amazing. And was there anybody during that period that you you know you were looking at, thinking, "Oh, that's that's an interesting sort of act they've they've got." Like like the the famous record graveyard. Was that was that sort of something that you quite felt a sort of a bond with, or did you feel like, "Oh, that's just cheap. That's just cheap and tacky." Or did you feel like what, 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 what the record graveyard? Yes, I mean, with, with that period, there was a little bit of that, a lot of experimentation. A lot of people. Yes, having... it's like someone used to destroy teddy bears. I, I found it slightly destructive, although I can't talk because, in a sense, I destroy the ice. But in a way, I, I encourage the ice to have a new life, a new type of life. Yeah. I think I'm not. I must have a lot of influences, but I, I like. I rather think I'm. I, I've, I've ploughed a solitary furrow. Mm. Yeah, I've just. I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, some some artists strike me. Like there's a man called Roman Apalko, I think, who I don't think I would say influenced me, but I can't help admiring him. Apparently, every day he got up and painted numbers for canvas meticulously. Yes. And by the time of his death, I can't remember. He reached a number like million or whatever. I, I can't help being impressed, you know, with that type of commitment from someone. Yes, I was just going to say... I, I never had that myself, I don't think. You we spot the Iceman. I can spot the Iceman as well. This is very nice. This one's called Earache. Yes, wet ear. Would you like that on your wall? Well, it's tempting, I have to say. It's very... It's got, it's got, a, it's got a certain energy to it, which I think is um, interesting. It's a good one. Thank well, you. you I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful to my blocks because I, I, I see them really, without sounding pompous, as stepping stones to my career as a painter. Yeah. And were you, I mean, just on that front of painting, 
when was the first time you you sort of got the brush, the canvas, and started thinking I might dabble into branching out and become a multi-faceted artist? Well, as I say, that came quite late in life, and and started in a very pedestrian manner. But it was just really a development of the photographs. I, I had quite a few photographs. And I thought, what's the next way the block can transmute, as it were? Yes. And I thought, painting, you know, a more interesting interpretation, perhaps. And my early paintings make even me laugh. <laughs> because they are, <laughs> they are so, so naive that they're almost fascinating. Yes. So I went to the um, Jean de Buffet exhibition at the Barbican the other day. Oh, about a year ago, I think. Sometime during lockdown, I think. Where I, and it amused me because I, I thought these all look like my paintings. And did you and, and did you feel that there was? Did it give you a certain amount of confidence? No, it made me think I'm out of date. Oh. No, actually, it did it, it did slightly because I, I I think the greatest thing about him is. Well, I I, I don't know really, but it's just the ideas. You know, art is for all. Yes, I'm not sure yes. that is his idea. I guess I mean, would, would he, you... he got lots of people to to do paintings. You know, people in trilliums and everywhere. Yes, would you refer to yourself as a kind of outsider artist then? Yeah, I suppose so. I, I mean, I prefer the word inside. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if I'm frank, I'm outsider. I mean, I mean, the thing that I, I notice about my own paintings is even though the motif is incredibly repetitive, mm -hmm. I, I like to think within that there's an incredible range of styles. Yes. So I, I, I think I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life. Because I, 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 I remember I've painted doing... about 870 blocks. I, I've yet to overtake the actual number of blocks, probably. No. But I, I, I'm quite prolific although I've, I've wound down slightly but I I think um, I, I, I think quite carefully about it before I put brush to canvas recently I've experimented with a hairdryer actually right. creating its dispersal effect yeah and do you I mean I spoke to I remember doing an interview with an artist a few years ago and they and they were talking about how to finish your piece. And, and I think they, they had quite a spiritual kind of connection to it. So it almost had to resonate with them. How do you know when you've painted what, what moment to stop and think that is it now, I've completed this, I need to now move on to the next project or, yes, I just wondered what that process is or was. Well, I, I paint quite quickly and I'm usually quite pleased. <laughs> I'm easily pleased, but occasionally I feel it's not quite right, and and then that will be slightly more problematic. But I, I'll go on until I'm happy. Yes. But I, you know, one steps back and looks at it, and um, I usually I don't, I've never not exhibited one that that I've done. So I've never been dissatisfied. <laughs> oh, Maybe that's slightly, have a slight arrogance problem. <laughs> well, no, that's a that's a great mantra for life. You know, let's face it. Have you it. seen any of my paintings on 
on my website. I have. I've been looking at them. And because um, I could, yes, it's, you know, and there are quite a lot of different styles. There isn't just, they're not yeah. always about ice, are they? Or is the ice sometimes? Well, you're, you're right. But ice predominates. And I, I like the idea, you know, especially with oils and so on, you can create quite a lot of melting effects. Yes. They're quite difficult to store. I would imagine. I would imagine. I guess, were you ever influenced by people like the New York artist Basquiat? Basquiat? Um, no, but at first I went to his exhibition, at, well, when I say his exhibition, his post-life um, exhibition. No, but I, I do, I rather like his sort of style. Yeah. One of it's, mine came out a bit like his. There's, a, there's, a, there's kind of moments where I think, oh yeah, that does remind me of one of his pieces. And um, I just wondered yes. if, if you'd sort of become a little bit like, oh yes, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely onto some zeitgeist at this, this point in life. Yes, I, I think I'm probably quite a reflective type of painter. I think he was probably a bit more muscular than me. Yeah, I think he was also. I think he, there was. There's a lot more drugs during that period in New York, wasn't there? There was a yes, an, an energy around that yes, time. That, it, it's rather sweet his relationship with uh, his friendship with Andy Warhol. I know it was very, yeah. very, very strange. I mean, because Andy he, Warhol was quite into Polaroids, wasn't he? So he was. Yes, I know he's got books I, on. He probably influenced me without realizing it. <laughs> yes this is and when you and and when you were doing you know this i suppose say the 80s period of, of your performance did you sort of find yourself did your did your parents come along to see your show did they sort of come and and, and admire the the, the evening um, entertainment my mother came to one show funny enough at the theater royal jewelry lane no uh, <laughs> it was a charity show actually Fronted by Rowan Atkinson. No, Angus Deaton, of all people. Right. But Rowan Atkinson was on the bill. But I did my little act with the block of ice. I think it was to raise money for Pleasant Theatre, which was the London end of the Edinburgh Festival Theatre. Yeah. And at the end, first of all, I came on, the lights are so bright, I was personally blinded. But at the end of my act, I try and shoot the ice towards the end of my act and I pretend that I've shot the duck and then I drop a feather and say, what a downer. <laughs> Classic. And so I, I think my line was, oh, fuck, I've killed the duck. And this shocked my mother. So she never came again. <laughs> there was, there was, was there a stony silence the next day when you had to have a chat with her? No, she was quite tolerant, actually. But, um, yes, I think that's the only occasion she saw a block of ice. Yes, nice. And uh, that's such a, yes, kind of a, a moment. Did you, I mean, as as somebody reflect, you know, as we reflect on our lives sometimes, is there some that you would have just wanted to tell your, like, 16, 18-year-old self starting out? Is there any little bit of, of you know like world worldly wisdom that you would have just whispered and say look this is a good thing to do perhaps focus on this um i don't i don't think i would advise my 18 year old self to go in a different direction funny enough i i think you know the exploration is everything really yes that sounds good. 
It does sound, it's very deep. Exploration. It's exp- exploration. It's everything, actually. Do you feel the ice has, has kind of the block, has, has that sort of been the most stable and the most Im- kind of important relationship you've had? Yes. I think it's the one consistent, continuous ske- um, skeleton I've had really. Yeah. I mean, no spine, perhaps. Spine. Yeah, that's that's good. And um, and just without giving away too many of your secrets, like a pen and teller kind of magician's act. Did um, I mean, do you what? What's the container that you use for the block of ice? Is there a particular? Do you have different containers for different shows, or do you stick with? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, this particular block here mm-hmm. is the container is a compost bucket you know you know for the bin collection oh so it's it's a, it's a curvy block of ice we're looking at here well this is more oblong oblong let's let's see the profile the side profile my god don't drop it on your foot jesus yeah you want you'll need to stand up look at that look at that oh my god that is beautiful and you still have you must have a very big freezer Good what? A big free? Oh no! I suppose you don't need to. Listen. I've got a, quite a good freezer. A chest? Well, did you have one of those nineteen seventies chest freezers, which you know people? Yes, have... I did have a, a very good chest freezer at one stage. I thought of buying one of those ice cream vans, but I never quite got the finance together. Yeah, I know. And then the KLF got there in front of you, didn't they? With their, I don't know, witty, but, uh, witty stuff. I, I think. You know, the, the famous tombstone analogy, he melted blocks of ice. There's something there that is unique. Yes, that is, there's no cliche there. That's the important thing. <laughs> and I, I think that, that's one thing you, you need to have in life. I, I feel in the situation I found myself alive, it it seems a certain purity to have done this over a period of years. Yes, absolutely, nice one. And and how it seems you... a sort of quite a sensible thing to do, really. Very and, in a funny and, way. And um, it just yeah, and and so kind of sustainable. Did you? I mean, how do you, as an artist, how did you find that kind of you know, lockdown period. How did that sort of deal? How did you emotionally deal with that? Did that feel quite a tricky period or were you able to navigate it? Well, apart from having to wipe the shopping with my supervisor, I found it quite productive actually because I, it boosted my production of paintings to the extent that I had little else there. I think I'd, I painted every day during that period. Fantastic. In a way, it was quite positive for me. You you racked up a lot of numbers. And then yeah. um, and then sort of looking ahead, have you got any sort of other sort of dates, plans, any other concepts coming up? By the way, the duck, the duck is still not afloat. No. This the, is I think I would like to exhibit in some kind of gallery, really. 
rather than just online. Yeah. But I'm not quite sure how to organise that. Have you any suggestions? I guess it's a bit of um, hustle, hustle, isn't it? I think um, I think your man, to be honest, if you've got his email address, I would just go and contact Stuart Lee and say, look, Stuart, you're a good chap. Have you got a space I could just, you know, anybody that for a week you could lend me some space and you can sort of come and sort of, uh, yes. Yes, he was quite interested in buying two of my paintings, partly because they were of him. <laughs> uh, I did a show on his resonance radio, whatever it was. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, and one of the paintings also was of him kindly carrying my props afterwards. He has no pride, you see. No. Um, but he he only answers occasionally to my emails. So I agree, he's a, a good a good possibility yeah you just need somebody who's got a sort of a contact and a space that can just say look we can we can yeah. in here a gallery and probably you could even have a display without the act of, of there's the a new gallery funny enough that's opened up in bournemouth Stuart simple i think it's called called the giant it's called giant so maybe i'll try them yeah i think just do a bit faster because there seems to be a bit of a wave of nostalgia that's creeping over us at the moment. I think a period of time, I'll put it down to 25 to 30 years, passes and we sort of look back, not always with rose-tinted sunglasses, but sometimes just being a bit amazed with what happened at a period of time. And, you know, looking at the 80s, and especially, I suppose, a lot of the independent music scene. I don't know, a lot of people have re-evaluated it and um, it sounds quite good, actually. You know, and, and there's been a lot of books coming out People have been writing their memoirs. There's been lots of photographic books. There's been films on various bands and albums that came out during that time. And Stuart Lee obviously did that one about Robert Lloyd and the Nightingales. So it's it's quite niche, but at the same time, there is an audience for it. And I think we quite oh. enjoy looking at it and and reflecting. So I think I think the time yeah, is right. I think it could actually look quite impressive, if I say so myself, to see all my blocks, painted blocks almost together, you know, like in a small warehouse or somewhere. I, I, I might set it up myself, I don't know, but I, I think it might look quite interesting. Yeah, I think Grace and Perry would love it. You should get in touch with Grace and say, look. Yes, of the art club, yes. Because he would, he would probably have seen your act and probably heard about your act and he would probably be fascinated with it and would say yeah. let's let's do a tv program about it i think that's that's that would be key actually that's a good idea yes yes i think that that sort of thing because people are always kind of interested how how these things develop and and you know it is quite famous your your block of ice this is this is it you know and um in a beautiful way it's it's ephemeral isn't it and yet it's yes it's transience it's just there but it's not but it's there again you know we can't yeah. We can let go of it, knowing that it's absolutely as as we... yes. No, no. I I feel they're. I mean, they are technically somewhere. So might come across them again one day. Yeah. And do you feel as a, as a person, what season, what part of the year is your favourite? You know, do you prefer spring, summer, winter, autumn? You know, I just wondered which one. Resonates it's got you. to be winter, hasn't it? But when I was young, the winters were winter, there was snow. I mean, I'm old enough to have witnessed 
global temperature change. I mean, to experience it. So I think I, I rather like snow. I mean, that's inevitable, isn't it? But yeah, winter. Yeah. I've, uh, I was born in February. Oh, I was born in March. Yeah. <laughs> tough periods, tough periods, aren't they, really? Yeah, winters felt very long and they felt quite relentless. And uh, yeah, you you know, your car always, I mean, when was the last time you bought any D? Oh, I was going to say, when was the last time you bought any de-icer? Because frankly, you don't really need it, but you probably do, don't you? Yes, I used to have it as my headpiece. I used to have a de-icer spray on my head yeah. with a bandage. And, and then I'd spray the ice and say the ice man is a de-icer spray. You know, and of course, that was a time when the ozone hole was slightly high profile. Yeah. So I'm sure it was quite a, a comment on that, really. I know. And um, you probably had a bit of guilt about that, didn't you? <laughs> didn't yes. help. I, I'm, I'm sure you could weave in some sort of political or... Some... Yeah, absolutely. Environmental. I think I got issues. guilt about most things. <laughs> that's the beauty of blocks. That's the beauty of being. You, you unblock. You do. Did you? I mean, when you watched the film, The Snowman, did you feel a little bit tearful seeing this kind of relationship and then the the melting? Did it was did it resonate with you at all? I'm not sure I've watched it. I mean, I know of it, but I'm, I'm not sure I've watched it. By the way, I can hear drips from my block. <gasps> Oh, fantastic. It is absolutely happening, isn't it? Even though the dark is not floating, can you see the drips? I can see the drips. It's definitely yeah. it's definitely dripping. And it's also, I think I, it looks a little bit like the Lean and Tower piece. It seems to be particularly dripping on one side. Has it? Is there a sort of a, a heat source on one side of that table? Yes, it's it's a sort of... It's just like it's a bit like a barbecue that this, this structure. Yes, it, it's definitely at an angle, as you can see. Yeah, it's it's very. It's, it's much more solid than my previous performance structures, which had bamboo and stuff holding it up. So, right. it, it, almost inevitably, the block would drop, and the question was when. Sometimes before I went on, I mean, every block has its own personality. Yeah. I once went to Malcolm Hardy's tunnel palladium at the do you know at the end of Blackwall Tunnel? No. And the block had melted on the bus in the Blackwall Tunnel. It was a hot summer day. So when I turned my bucket over, liquid came out and no ice. So I said something like I can go home now and that's that was the only laugh I got before <laughs> I got attacked. <laughs> Did you, I mean, because there, there was the Malcolm Hardy, there was, um, was it Raw Sex and Arthur Smith? Was that a scene that you were at all connected with at, at any stage? Yes, Malcolm Hardy used to, I've been on a few shows with him. He was nominated as fellow tap water winner at Edinburgh Festival. Right. And he, in his autobiography, he claims he got the tap water award, when in fact it was me, the Iceman. But that's his style. But... I used to find him amusing, but he was much more, I think he was a slightly, he lived more than me, I think. Yes, he was, he was, he was fast. He, he lived yeah, fast. He got, me, he got me a booking on, what's it called, that old pop programme, The Tube. So oh. I went up to Newcastle with a block. You Jewel were on, yes, and did you meet, um, there was Jules. Morrissey there. was on the bill. I've been I, on the bill with Morrissey, Morrissey. Who? 
My God, so you were on the on the night, almost the last gig on the last period of the Smith's career, I think. That was probably 87, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And I, I was just wondering, because I think they've all been now put on YouTube, actually. And what was the, what was the experience like? Because there was Paula Yates, there was Muriel Gray, Jules Holland. Did you get an interview as well? Yes, I had a little interview. And I noticed Jules Holland picked up on the time thing. He said, it's about time, isn't it? I said, yes, amongst other things. <laughs> and how did and how did you experience and what was it like being you know because we used to watch it as a, an, a yeah. like a really religious program but I mean did it did it fulfill your dream I mean with the program okay with that what's the practicalities with your eyes because if you're coming from London by the time you get to Newcastle isn't there a risk that you just got a bu bucket of water yes it, it can be I'm glad you asked about that because that's in a way, people underestimate the practical. <laughs> yes, I know because um, um, it, it's a bit underwhelming if you just come in as like not so much the ice man as a man, as a man who's just walking around with I, a bucket of water. I do like the idea of creating my own blocks, although I realise it's not just me; it's refrigeration. But I, I did quite often, especially with bigger shows, maybe get commercial ice. Mm. people to deliver a block which in a way became part of the event in london there was a very good company called eskimo ice uh, who used to deliver blocks of ice that i could hardly lift up right my god so and, you uh, didn't you, so you didn't always go for the same size you would sometimes no different sizes different i i did a tv show sounds quite mainstream noel edmonds <laughs> christmas <laughs> show and i had about 24 blocks delivered so i had a little mountain of ice before chris smith jumped out of his helicopter to interview me nice but every every event has been quite different in a way yes so and also the, the attention i give the ice you know i did one event where i literally just let it melt and did nothing else and people came back and saw how it was getting on but that wasn't a huge block. I think that was in Covent Garden or somewhere. Yeah. Did you and, feel... Uh, so normally when, I'm just a catalyst. Yeah. I was just going to say, when, you know, John Lennon met Yoko and there was this sort of the, the famous story about the apple, did you also kind of relate to some of that kind of 60s performance art? Probably, without quite realising it. I think I always... Got excited. I, uh, I think I got excited by anything that was, you know, a bit experimental. Yes. So going back to the practicalities, you get your sort of call. You're going to be on the same show as the Smiths and various other people. Lots of showbiz, you know, you know, folk are going to be there because by then the tube had got quite a following and obviously become very popular. Um, so how did you then sort of? deliver the ice did you get somebody did you take it with you from london or did you have it delivered flown in especially from the eskimo people yes i can't remember to be honest but i imagine that i'm i don't oh hello i'm here oh i imagine that perhaps the the tv company provided the block in that case right there you go but i don't know for sure I'm gonna to have to track this down now, actually, and watch oh, watch yeah. the watch the night and um, watch the yeah. show. Did you and did you do you the next day? Do you re sort of reflect and make notes about your you know the performances you did? You know which bits worked and which bits didn't. Yes, 
it it never works in the sense of a successful event really but i, I do notice how different it, it happens i mean for example the hackney empire are you with me yeah oh yes um that was very i went into the audience and the block moved around with me really a comedy store once somebody kidnapped and I got a laugh from the same line. I can go home now. <laughs> so it, it really is quite unexpected what happens, really. And that's part of the fun and interest and the, the, perhaps a slight element of danger. I mean, literally with a small D, you know. So it's very unpredictable. Yes. I mean, because you but did... All, all I would say mm -hmm. is when I arrive with a block, something happens... That wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yes, I think, I think I, can I end up with that? I think that sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> did Did you ever get sort of a host, any hostile reactions or anger towards you and your your block of ice? I think I did. Oh, help! What? Oh, that's funny. My paintings came up for some uh -huh. reason. Um. No, on the whole, people were quite kind, really. I, I think they were concerned for me. But occasionally it annoyed people. Yeah. But I I, I, I've never been... I think I, I, I've never actually been hit during the performance. Oh, thank God for that. That would be upsetting. <laughs> yes, no, I couldn't... I quite... think they realised I had a block to... Yeah. My missile was bigger than theirs. So, because just on, on the sort of, um, just trying to get a picture of this, when you said you went into the audience with the uh, with the block, did you say it followed you or were you holding it and walking around with it? I would probably carry it into the audience and then donate it temporarily to somebody. And they, they would, because it's cold, would want to get rid of it. Quite yes. quick. <laughs> and, and so the one I'm thinking about is the Hackney Empire which um, was the, I, I think, was that a tribute to Malcolm Hardy, I think? It, that one, I think there's something on YouTube where the, I'm in the audience and it's travelling around. And um, in a way, the ice becomes centre stage, which is rather nice. So nice. I, I quite, you know, although I'm sure I've got an ego problem like everybody else, I, I, I quite like delegating centre stage to the block. Yeah, well, I think the respect, you know, it's a bit like any... I mean, do you look at it as a slightly sacred object at that moment? Yes, I, I suppose I feel it's got significance because it, it's a unique event and a, a unique creation caused by me, caused by my activities, really. Yeah. So I suppose I, I like the fact as I said, that something's happening wouldn't have happened otherwise w without this entity. Yeah. Any Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess there's an energy, isn't there? There's a purpose, there's a consciousness. Yep. That's not... And, and the fact that it was water and then it's going to return <laughs> uh, somehow makes that moment extra special because it's like a bit like life is it just uh that short duration that is is active for a particular duration yes yeah because like 
I mean, that's a slightly different. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting when one has a purposeness for it. Because I, I remember there's another artist who, Richard Long, he would he would do these kind of artworks, which sometimes would just be him walking a line up and down. Ah, oh, yes, yes, I have met him, yes. Walking up and down to create a line on the grass. Yeah, and that was his kind of project for the day. And then he'd photograph yes. it and then that was it. And, he, you know, yes. I've, I've often found a lot of his... Andy Goldsworthy was this other artist who was Scottish, I think, and he would again make pieces of work through leaves and probably I've mentioned, and then, you know, photograph them. They're very beautiful, but obviously they're going to be gone. They're just, you know, it's just nature. Yes. So, so in a way you you have a certain sort of a similar quality to those. Yes. People. And even site-specific artefacts change, don't they? Because they nature will change yeah, absolutely. And I, I know with sort of uh, Richard Long, he often, you know, works with a lot of natural materials that, you know, like mud, clay, yeah. things like that, soil. Um, it's all going to just eventually return back to the earth. So like your eyes, there is a sort of, even though I guess it is a comedy bit, there is also a, a significant sort of, you know, a significant moment because you know with the climate change you know there's more you know like less yes. icebergs everything's melting and and yeah absolutely yes these so although it's superficial performance art it's actually very deep in fact i used to get audiences chant the word deep deep <laughs> i used to <laughs> i used to make comments at the end of the ice and they'd all go deep deep oh nice that's good you know, like it's not forever deep deep so that used to amuse me because there was an element of truth in what I was saying. But yeah. I mean, of course, the history of the planet itself is ice ages and ice melts and so on. Yeah. And I know so, when I sort of occasionally go to my, one of my favourite places on the North Norfolk coast, the Holcombe, you sort of walk around the park and there's the ice house. And this is kind of a place that they would put blocks of ice and food to try and stay, a, I suppose, alive during the winter. And um, yeah. again, it was a very significant place. Obviously, the aristocracy had one. I don't think anyone else did, but it, it sort of it did. Serve, yes, I've seen a few. It, it's it is a sort of it does serve that incredible, important you know purpose if we were yeah. if we survive those winters. But yeah, the ice age and uh, yeah, and I remember got, in uh, Lahore in Pakistan, seeing uh, old-fashioned ice man deliver ice to the shops. Right, that was rather touching. Yes. That was before my blocks. Was it? Yeah. Oh, that little bit that, of that was when I was on the hippie trail. Right. How long did your <laughs> how long did your hippie was this a hippie trail as in you were just hiking over to India to sort of find yes. spiritual it was, it was safe. It was safe to do it in those days. Yes. So with that, was this this the sort of seventies period of sort of long hair beads? Yes, a bit like that. But it, um, Mrs. Gandhi created a state of emergency in India at the time. So I remember that for some reason. Yeah. Did And did you did you resonate? I went to the Bamiyan Valley and went into the Buddha heads, which have now been blown up by the Taliban. Oh, God, that must have felt Ironically, strange. creating more emptiness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and loss. And, and sort of, yeah. Yes, the message. The message of life. Yes. Oh. Don't hang on to things; they will get blown up. Yes, touch the block work. Yes. Did you did you sort of at that stage feel like you know the hippie path was going to 
kind of give you the answers or did you sort of just feel like no this is not quite for me um yes i think it i i it was a rather vague aim really quite pointless in retrospect <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the hippie world, isn't it, really? This, it promises so much and we love it, but yes. it, it is a little bit sad. Yes, but I think it was all leading me to the, the block work. Yeah. Well, it's I like to think that. Yeah, and, and the 80s. I mean, that kind of experimentation of sort of performance art and ranty poets and, yeah. you, you know, it did, it did create something quite special, really. So there you go. But look, this has been fantastic. I can see there's a countdown to the last five minutes. But thank you ever so much for giving me the time for this. And I'm so pleased thank you. this has come together. Thank and you for being such a simpatico audience, inter interviewer. Oh, well, I'm, I'm always curious. Shall we end with my loop tape? Let's listen. Let's let's end on that loop. This is um, Can you hear it? It's a little bit fade. What is it? Did you say it's Duke Ellington? Yes. But I think I put, I just I put it on the loop, which to me makes it more interesting. Yes. Well, just so just, just turn it up a bit, and we all can just kind of have a moment. Okay. It's got it's got a it's got a nice vibe to it. Now, just to to make sure I don't say any, um, what how do you go? What name do you use for um, yourself? How, what name should I use, by the way? What for my human name? Well, just for sort of introducing the show, I just wondered if you go by. Well, the, the name my parents gave me, mm -hmm. I sound a bit like a Scottish chieftain. Is Anthony. Mm -hmm. Roy Mackay Irvin, I R V I N E. Anthony Irvin, I probably, yes. <laughs> and you, you probably can see the connection with my painting name, AIM, Anthony Irvin Man. Oh, yes. Or Anthony Iceman. AIM. But of course, AIM is also very deep, deep. It is deep, actually. Yeah. Oh, so I think it's quite a significant painting name. It is. It is. But of course, I suppose people call me the Iceman, naturally. Yes. But of course, the trouble is if you Google Iceman, you sort of come across so many strange Icemen, including as an assassin, assassin, professional assassin called the Iceman. Oh, yes. I suppose there was the. Yeah, probably something from the Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese film. So yes. now I'm trying to really, um, I think, ironically, the the aim is really my new identity. Yes, that's good, Anthony, Iceman. Yes, I'm looking. There you go. It's all ring, ringing about. Look, thank you ever so much. I'll let you go to bed. Um, but yes, this is great. And if, and if you want, I can always send you the link and you can put it on your social media. Oh, website. do. Yes. Is, it, is this actually going to go out? 
It definitely is. God, this is... Unadulterated? Mostly. People love, people, you wouldn't believe how many people love these kind of interviews. Because they're, they're often, I'm often picking up, oh God, it's got less than a minute. Because it's often picking up people that everyone goes, oh God, I remember that person. You know, and, yeah. and they get very excited. They get very excited, actually. So well, thank you very much. I will send you a Polaroid copy. Oh. And a recent a... painting attachment. God, I'll be so pleased. I'll be so pleased. Yeah. Okay, look, thank you ever so much. What should I call it? it? Should I call it C86 block? Call it, yes. That, that yeah. will capture the moment. It's going to end. Okay, take care. Bye, um, David. Bye. Thank eyes. you so much. Love the eyes. See you later. Bye. And that, dear listener, is how you end a conversation with great smoothness. Or not. Anyway, I love leaving those bits in for various reasons. Um, yes. Yeah, stumbling over the conversation there. But anyway, look, a massive thank you to Anthony Irvin, the Iceman, for giving me the time for that interview. If you want to find his website, just do iceblocked.co.uk and uh, you will see his artwork and everything as well. So, um, yeah, and if you want to contact me for some random reason, no, nice reason, don't, don't do anything negative, frankly, um, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. Also, all these have been archived, these interviews, and there's a lot of them. So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. Do check them out. Anyway, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs>